Well, good evening, living room. It's so good to see all of you here. Thanks for being here tonight. It's great to have you. Um, worship was amazing. Uh, uh, this band is amazing. We're so blessed by them. And I just got to say, uh, when Tan is leading like that, I feel like there's a moment that, um, that if she catches me not singing with all my heart, that she's like going to come out in the crowd and like kick my butt, you know, and be like, why aren't you singing? You know, does anybody feel that? She's like, come on, let's go. We're going somewhere. Sing out with all your heart, you know, and I love it. I love it when she's here leading. It's so great to have her and everybody here. Uh, each week. We're really, really blessed. I do want to say before we uh, wrap up the series, I'm excited about wrapping up a uh, game plan tonight. Um, it didn't get mentioned earlier, and I just want to let you know um, that one, you do know that we're off next week, and the reason we're off next week is we're having a conference here at the church, and so it was just kind of going to be crazy for us to pull off the living room and the conference at the same time. So that's what's going on. And so we had to take a break uh, for that reason. Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks. And uh, when we come back, we're kicking off a brand new series called Grace. And Joseph Sojourner is going to be here to kick off uh, the living room. Yeah, you can get excited about that. And um, the reason I'm telling you that this is usually when we take a week off, we usually lose momentum, okay? Because it just you, know, you guys get in your schedules, you forget we're meeting, um, you didn't know what was going on, you don't know the details, and you get, you're kind of in that uh, decision-making mode of like, I got to study, but should I go to the living room? Well, you don't want to miss October 27th. So I need your help in telling people about October 27th. Get that date out to people and let people know that Joseph Sojourner is going to be here, the band's going to be back, it's going to be a great great series uh, together, and you do not want to miss it. So anyway, we're wrapping up game plan tonight, and uh, week, uh, if you haven't been here, I'll just give you a brief review. Um, week one was all about uh, God's will. That's what this whole series is about, the God's game plan for your life, and we talked about uh, the three different aspects of God's will, and that's this right here. The first is that God has a providential will. The providential will of God is that he cannot be stopped. Like, we can uh, mess up God's will for our lives by, like, doing wrong things, choosing wrong things, but God's providential will is, like, things like he is going to bring a Savior into the world, his son, Jesus Christ, and, and that's not going to be stopped, okay? So that's the providential will of God. The second is the moral will of God, and that's, like, right and wrong, those kind of things that we know that are true, that are right, that are good. It is the law of God, the moral will of God, um, that you would uh, be um, pleasing to God with your life, meaning that you would flee from sexual immorality is one moral will of God. That's just one of them. We always like to throw that one out for some reason. I like to throw that one out, the moral will of God. And then the personal will of God is the third one. And that's the thing that you're probably most concerned with in this whole thing, the personal will of God. It's like, God, tell me your plan. Tell me your game plan for my life. You know, that's why you're my, some of you might be here tonight. It's like, I heard they're talking about God's will, and I want to know, like, is it grad school? Is it the job? What's going on? And that's what we want to get down to. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about that a little bit more in a more broader sense, what you need to be doing right now. But what we said in week one is that God has a, a plan for everyone, and that is that, that, that he doesn't want anyone to perish. That means that they would die without the hope of eternal life, but he wants everyone to repent. That means that they would turn around and face God, that they would be in a relationship with God because he wants people to know his son, Jesus Christ, and what Jesus Christ has done for them. And so we said two things the first week. We said that you would uh, repent um, and turn to God and be in a relationship with him. That, that, that's God's will for your life. But we also said that you would repent of the things that you do wrong in your life 
that might be breaking the moral will of God. So that was week one. Week two, Chris Kim was here. He had two questions for us. The first one was this. Um, it's, is this decision consistent with Scripture? So he's like, when, when facing a decision, trying to figure out God's plan for your life, is this decision consistent with Scripture? That's a great question to be asking. Are you thinking about that when you're facing decisions? And the second question is this. Is this, decision, is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? Is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? And I'll just add to that. Um, are you even seeking wise, godly counsel when you're facing a decision? And if you haven't figured that out yet, if you're like, what is wise, godly counsel? Well, that's people who know the Lord, people that are following Christ, and they're living life according to his will, and that you can look up to, that you can seek out and say, hey, I've got this situation in my life, and I would love some counsel on it. And so um, you need to be doing that when facing decisions. And tonight, I want to specifically wrap up the series, um, and I want to talk to you about work. And uh, the reason I want to talk to you about work is that is what a lot of people struggle with when they're trying to de determine God's will for their lives. They're trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do with my life? How do you want me to work for you on this earth? And maybe right now you're not struggling with that. Maybe you're like figuring out, okay, what major you're going to be. And you're like, I don't really know what I want to do for work, but can God, can you just tell me a major? Because I'm undecided and I need that right now. And uh, I want to kind of ask the crowd um, who's undecided in the room, but I won't do that to you because that's always awkward. You're like, ah, you know, I'm not so sure about that. I don't want to let people know that I'm not sure about what I want to do in my life. But it's okay. The people who think that they know what they are doing with their life, they're not going to do that anyway. So you're fine, okay? I just want you to know that, all right? But I want to talk to you about um, God's will or God's plan for your life concerning your work. And I want to talk specifically about right now what God wants for you. And uh, I want to share with you um, one of my, um, my favorite stories, not really, it's really an embarrassing story. Um, I've shared it before in the past. If you're like a senior, maybe you might have heard this before. But um, I, um, I, as I was preparing for tonight, I was thinking, what was it like to be in college uh, like you guys? And um, when I was a, a physical education major, we didn't call it that at Baylor University. We called it health and human performance because that sounds better and it sounds smarter maybe. Health and human performance, what is that? I don't know. But I, but I was a PE major, okay? And I was a PE major because I wanted to coach. That was kind of my passion. I wanted to coach, and so, um, and it just seems like uh, every major and every degree, they have that one professor that's like, no matter what the degree is, they are the hardest professor. They are the ones that, like, if you're getting a degree from this school, you're coming through me, and if you come through me, I'm going to let you know it is going to be tough, and there is no one that's going to, like, skate by in our degree program, and I had this professor. Her name was Dr. Woody, and she... Um, I, she was an amazing athlete. I mean, she could play so many different sports, and, and, and she was a coach, and so I, she was intimidating. I'll just be honest with you. I was scared of her, I, I, and I'm not just saying that to be funny or whatever. No, literally, I was scared of her. Like, I would avoid her at times because I was like, no, she might call me out right now, and that could be really awkward because I'm not prepared. And so, um, so I'd heard these stories about her, and I knew about her, and I'd had some classes with her, some easier classes, but there's this one class. It is called Adapted Physical Education. I know it doesn't sound hard, but it is working with uh, special needs children, okay? And it was her passion. 
And it was like, if you're going to be a PE teacher in the public school system, you got to know this, and you're going to be the best if you're graduating from my class. And so I made a huge mistake my junior year. It was spring semester. I took her in the spring semester. That was a mistake. First of all, spring semester was never good for me because when the weather turned good, I was toast. And, um, and then the other thing that I did was it was basketball season, and I'm from North Carolina originally. I went to school in, in Texas, and uh, I got my family got tickets to the ACC. That's the Atlantic Coast Conference, in case you were wondering, uh, basketball tournament. And in 1995, the ACC was like the best basketball conference in the country, okay? I believe they only had like nine, uh, somebody's saying still is, and I would agree with that, but, but, um, but that's good. So, um, but Georgia State, by the way, is incredible in basketball, and we're really, really excited about that. And so, yeah, and this is going to be the year for state. I, I'm so pumped about that. It's going to be great. But um, anyway, so 1995 ACC Spring Basketball Tournament. I got tickets. My, my family got like six tickets for me and friends to go. And I was going. And what Dr. Woody said on the first day of class was, hey, you cannot miss my lab on Thursday afternoons for any reason. And if you do, it is a zero. And I'm sitting there first day of class, and I'm like, um, go up to her after the class, like, Dr. Whitney, I'm not going to be here in March on Thursday. It's, it's not happening. I'm just telling you, I'm out. And you love sports, by the way, and I'm going to the ACC basketball tournament. And she's like, I'm sorry, that's, that's not, that's inexcusable. And I'm, I'm like, excuse me? And I, like, for me, I'm just like, surely she was going to understand how big a deal the ACC basketball tournament is. And that's, that's like huge, you know? And so, so I ignored it. I just wasn't paying attention to it. And then the first test comes, okay? And I, um, I got to be honest with you. I uh, studied the notes. I did. I'll be I did study the notes. But I was one of those guys that always went to class and studied the notes. I, I, literally, I, I didn't skip school that much in college. But I really didn't. I, I didn't. I was there. I promise. And, uh, but I didn't like to read, okay? And that was a problem in this class. And I didn't do the reading for the class on the first exam. I knew the notes, and I'd studied the notes well. I'd studied hard, I thought. And I get the grade back for the exam, um, and I've never told, I don't think I've told this part of the story publicly, and I'm, I'm nervous right now, but I got, um, I got an 18 on the exam. <laughs> and that's not, and just to clarify, um, it's not, that wasn't 18 out of 25 or anything. That's like, a one eight, okay? I'm really embarrassed by that. I don't even know if uh, my fiance knows this story, and we're getting married in a month, and uh, and so I hope you're still going to marry me after this, Jade. But uh, um, so there's a huge problem when I get this grade back because there's an 18, and there is a zero coming for me, you know. So I'm going to have an 18 and a zero, and for some crazy reason, I just plowed through and was like, I'm taking the zero. I got an 18, and I got a zero, but I got ACC basketball tournament tickets, you know? It's like, all right. And, you know, you know A's, you know, you know, you get paid to make A's. You know that? You know that? You know, if you, you know, A's pays. You know, do y'all, have y'all heard that slogan before? If you make A's, you get paid. That's good. C's get degrees. Everybody knows that one, right? C's. And F is for fun, you know? You had a lot of fun. And so I chose the fun route. And sure enough, the semester goes by, and I failed the class. Not even close. I mean, I, I got like, 
you know, my final exam grade on the final exam was like a 65, and that was like the best I did on all the exams. You know, a 65 is not pulling up an 18 where it needs to get, okay? And so uh, summer goes by, I get back into school, I have to take the class again, I show up, Dr. Woody's uh, um, first day of class, I know I'm not going to miss the, uh, you know, the labs anymore, and, um, and I go by our office and I say, Dr. Woody, I just need to talk to you, I don't want to repeat performance of last spring, um, uh, can we talk about class? And she says to me, well, what do you want to do with your life? I was like, and she's like, are you going to coach? Like, are you pursuing this coaching thing? And I was like, I think I'm going in the ministry. And she's like, oh, really? You're going in the ministry? That's, that's fascinating. Um, do you want to go to grad school? And I was like, uh, I th yes, I think I want to go to grad school. I mean, not that you have to go to grad school to be in ministry, but I was like, I think I want to go to grad school. And she's like, well, you know, in grad school, if you want to do well in grad school, you're going to have to read your textbooks in grad school, right? She's like, you understand that, right? And I was like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, like, I understand that. And she's like, well, I just want you to know, if you want to pass my class, you're going to have to read the assignments in my class. And if you can get that, then you might have a chance at, like, doing well in grad school. And she just had this stare in that moment, and she's, like, penetrating deep into my soul. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like, yes, ma'am. I, I hear you loud and clear. And, and I share that story with you tonight because I want to share with you where you are right in now, right? Right here and now is really, really important for you to figure out God's plan for your life because this is what I want you to know right here. God most often directs through new opportunities that are connected to current opportunities. God most often directs through new opportunities that are connected to current opportunities. And the current opportunity for me at this time was for me to take this class, Adaptive Physical Education, and do well in it. That was what the current opportunity was for me. And I totally blew it off. I didn't think it was important. I didn't really think the consequences of what I, she said were going to be applied, weren't going to apply to me for some reason. I thought I was charming. She'd like me. It was basketball. She loves basketball. Come on, Dr. Woody, throw me a bone like right now, you know, not happening. You know, she was very fair. And so we often miss our current opportunities that are going to lead to new opportunities because we don't think our current opportunities are that important. And that's what I want to talk to you about this evening because you've got to figure this out. And uh, this is not just something that um, is not a struggle for us. But I think we think, okay, I'm really not going to do this. In, in the situation, I'm not going like, to like really study hard in this class. Because it really doesn't apply to what I want to do in life. And, and I want you to get that your current opportunities right now are going to have an impact on your future opportunities. And I think oftentimes when it comes to understanding God's plan for our lives, we really want like a lightning bolt decision. That would be nice if that was the case. But I'm telling you, for the most part, God doesn't speak that way. And I believe God speaks and I believe that God leads and I believe that he does that through his Holy Spirit. And I can just say honestly that I've experienced that in my own life. But for the most part, I believe God is going to lead you through the current opportunities that he gives you. And just a couple of biblical examples of this. Uh, one is uh, King David, okay? King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. And Samuel comes to his house to anoint him 
as king, which is kind of like a lightning bolt experience in some ways, but he wasn't even in the house because no one thought he was qualified to be king. And what's so crazy is that he gets anointed king, but then he goes back out into the field and keeps being a shepherd. And while he's a shepherd, a lion comes up one day and attacks his flock. And this is fascinating to me because I just want you to think about it for a second. Think about if you were a shepherd. Guys, if you were a shepherd and a lion attacked your flock, what would you do? And I'll just be really honest with you. I would run, okay? I would probably get my flock, as many as I could to go with him, say, let's get out of here. There is a lion who's going to eat you. But David doesn't do that. David, with his bare hands fights the lion and kills him. Okay? This isn't legend. This is like David did it. And he's like, hey, the guy messed with my flock. I'm going to take him out. That's crazy. That was the opportunity that was before David. Well, then David one day is going to deliver some food to his brothers who are at war with the Philistines. And when he gets there, he sees a giant out in the battlefield mocking the nation of Israel. And he's like, what is going on? Who, why is it anybody going out to fight this guy? And he's like, man, I've killed a lion. I can take this guy out. And sure enough, David goes out there with a slingshot and slays Goliath. Again, opportunity before him. Just seeking the opportunities before him. That's just one example, King David. The other one is like the disciples maybe. And uh, Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen. And they were just following in the footsteps of their fathers. It was family business, family trade. They're just, you know, going out with the family business, going to the boat, throwing their nets out, coming in and cleaning them. And one day, Jesus walks up to them and says, hey, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And it's like, I can stay and fish or I can follow this guy, you know. But opportunity right in front of them. And they follow him. They follow Jesus. Totally changes their life forever. And so I don't know where you are with your opportunities, but for me, as a college student, I had two opportunities. I really wanted to coach, and I had several coaching opportunities right when I was in college and loved it. I pursued them and to the fullest extent, got involved with different sports programs at Baylor and, and tried to, to figure out, is coaching the thing for me? But the other thing that I started fi figuring out when I was a, about a sophomore in college, I was like, I think God's calling me to ministry, and I've got to figure this out. And so at the end of my junior year, I um, was like, man, I've never worked in a church before. I've got to figure this out. And I went and spent a summer working in a church. I had no idea what I was doing. I, up to that time, I had given, like, um, I'd done one little middle school retreat for, like, 30 kids in a small church in North Carolina. And so I get hired for this church in South Carolina and uh, to be their uh, youth intern for the summer, but really just to head up. Their youth program is a brand new church, church plant. They had, literally when I got there, they had 15 to 20 kids in their middle school and high school ministry combined. And the pastor said, hey, they're yours. Run with it, you know? I'm like, really? Do you know, do you know that, like, I have no experience at this, like zero. And he's like, no, no, that's why I hired you. You go do it. That's great. And I had, I had done that little middle school retreat and I had four talks that I had given at the middle school retreat. This internship was 10 weeks so I did the first four talks, the first four weeks of the, the, the middle school ministry and high school ministry. And then the, after that, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I got no more talks. Like, you, you have, you've heard my best. And they weren't good talks, you know. And week five came and like, I had to like, you know, figure it out. But what I would do is I would just be like, God, I don't know what to say to these kids. But will you 
teach me what to say? Will you show me what to say? And I would just work so hard all day. I can remember, I can just be like, okay, Sunday, I'm preparing, and then Wednesday night's coming, and like Wednesday, I'm like clearing out. No one's messing with me in my time, and like I am focusing on this moment because this is all I've got. I got 15 to 20 kids, and I got... 25 minutes with them to catch, capture their attention and tell them something about God. I just want them to know God. And that's what I did that summer. And I just leveraged the opportunity that God put before me, which ultimately led me to go into full-time ministry. But what about you? What about the opportunities that are before you? What do you do with the opportunities that are before you? Because I think most successful people in life when you hear their story of how they became a success, it's pretty fascinating because they didn't do anything absolutely mind-boggling. They just pursued the things that were put before them. But it was the way they pursued them that, that allowed them to be successful in life. So tonight, what I'd love for us to do is I, I would love for us to look at a passage. But before we do, I want to just share this one statement with you. God's will for you professionally will entail hard work, Boredom, discipline, and disappointment. And, and that was me in the, in, the, in the summer of 1995 working in this church. And like, I, I would leave Wednesday night sometimes totally disappointed in, in what happened. Because I was like, man, it wasn't good enough. Or, man, they didn't respond to the message. Or, you know, they were totally distracted the whole time. Those two kids were just talking to each other. You know, they didn't have text messages back then. But they were totally distracted by something in the back corner. And they weren't listening to the message. And there was disappointment. It was honest disappointment for me. I was like, man, what is going on? But, but God's will for you professionally will entail hard work. There are going to be times you're going to be bored with what you're doing professionally. You've got to be disciplined. And there's going to be disappointments. And you're going to grow from those disappointments. And Paul has some incredible news for us in this passage in Colossians that we're going to look at tonight. And um, it's amazing. Um, if you have your Bible with you, um, it, turn to Colossians 3. And uh, we're going to be in verse 23 and 24. But um, Paul is talking to slaves and masters. That's, what he's talking to, that's who he's talking to here in this context. He's talking about the slaves and the masters of the slaves. And um, you would think if Paul was talking to, to slaves and masters of the slaves, he, you would think he'd be like, okay, masters, set your slaves free. That would be like a godly thing to do. Like, set them free. If you want to be like, you know, follow God, just set them free. And if you're like, if he's talking to the slaves, you'd think like, run, escape, get away from your master. You know, that would be a good thing. But that's not what Paul says in this passage. It's amazing. And so he takes us by surprise, and he says, if you are a slave, be a good one. If you're going to be a slave, be a good slave. If you're a master, be a good master. That's what he's saying. And then he steps back from the context and says this in verse 23. kind of broadens the context a bit. And this is where we're going to dive in tonight, just two verses here. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, that's what he says. And, and, and so much of this series has been wrapped up in this prayer. Is God, show me your plan for my life. God, show me your will for my life, which is a great prayer. I'm not mocking that prayer at all. But, but he says, whatever you do. So, so what are you doing? Like you're asking me to show you something. He's like, but what are you doing right now? 
Like, what are you doing today? What did you do today? Because he says, whatever you do, next part, work at it with all your heart. Work at it with all your heart. And that's convicting to me. I don't know where that lands with you, but as you think about your day today, did you work at the things that were before you with all your heart? Not just half of your heart, not just three-fourths of your heart, but all, like everything, that you were consumed with it, that you were focused on it, that you weren't distracted. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about who he's talking to. He's talking to slaves and masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Be a slave with all your heart. I just want you to think about it. And when you go to bed tonight, I want you to be grateful that you live in this country in 2014 because the jobs they had in the first century were a lot crappier than the jobs that we have. Okay? You just need to know that. So if you're flipping burgers or if you're working the drive-thru right now, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Work at it with all your heart. Next part. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And that's the part. It wasn't just the whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. All always gets me. It's like, really? Was that all? Did you work with all? But when you put this into context as working for the Lord. Now, again, he's talking to slaves and he's talking to masters. And he's saying, hey, slaves, you don't have human masters. The Lord, the Lord is your master. And when you think about what is before you today, whether it's school or whether it's work, and your master isn't the president of your school or the teacher in your class, but your master is God, that's a little bit different context. That's a little bit different context. And he says, work at it with all your heart because you're not... You're not working for human masters, but you're working for the Lord. So he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so then Paul totally shifts this thing and says, he puts it on an eternal perspective. And he says, the opportunities that are before you, what has been put before you, you are going to be rewarded for how you steward those, for how you handle those opportunities. You are going to receive an inheritance for that. And so what about you right now? Have you thought about the opportunities that are before you, that they have eternal significance, the way your attitude is at work, the way you treat your coworkers, the way you treat your classmates, the way you represent yourself and God on campus. Have you thought about that there's a, an eternal significance because there is a reward 
for the way that you live, the way that you work, the way that you pursue the opportunities that are before you because it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And um, it's crazy. I, I just want to go back to verse 23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And we talked about the moral will that first week, but this is a moral will issue right here. And, and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are a follower of him, you would call yourself a Christian, then that, that means that you believe this truth, that we should work at things with all our heart because we are working for Jesus. And it's a moral will thing because there's a right way to work and there's a wrong way to work. And I don't mean to be harsh with that. I just mean that's reality. There is a right way to do this. Or there's a wrong way to do this. And, and there's so much in, in us. I, I just think it's like, you know, well, I mean, it's, that's really not that important. You know, I'm, I'm a college student. I mean, when I get out of school, then I'll start working hard. <clears throat> and so I just I want to share this idea with you right here. It says, don't save your best effort and energy for a future opportunity. Fully engage where you are now. And I just, honest, and I told you the story. I mean, you got an, I got an 18, okay? I get that. You're like, dude, why do you have the microphone? You got an 18 on your exam. I get that. But here's the thing. I didn't get this as a junior in college. Obviously, I did not get this as a junior in college. You have to work hard at getting an 18, like, you have to, like, not listen in class, you know? I mean, it's like, I, I'm not listening. Ah, what are you saying? I'm not paying attention because I want to get an 18 on this, my first exam, you know? But it did, not, it did not matter to me, and it really didn't matter to me until I sat in Dr. Woody's office, and she penetrated me with her eyes, and she said, you want to go to grad school? Then you're going to have to read. <laughs> and I was like, and it was common sense. It was so like, like, I know that, you know, but it, like when she says it and she's piercing me, I'm like, yes, ma'am, I'm going to read like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, but don't, but there's, it would have been so easy for me to go, Dr. Woody, it's not that big of a deal. I'm going into ministry, this PE class, I'm never going to work with, you know, special needs kids. It's not that important. You know, I'm so glad I didn't say that at the time because that would have gotten me probably another F in the moment. But, but don't save your best effort and energy for a future opportunity. Fully engage where you are now. So my question for you is, are you fully engaged where you are right now? Are you? Because that's the most important thing for you to know. <clears throat> You've got to be fully engaged with all your heart in what you're doing. And there's that class, I'm not trying to say like, okay, you need to get an A, like hundreds for Jesus is the only way to like live, you know, in, in school. And I'm not trying to say that. You know, if you, if you struggle in math and it's like, okay, I struggle in math and you're like a B plus is like all your heart. Okay, rock on, B plus, you know. C's do get degrees and we're still in that, you know. I mean, I, you know, Jesus might be happy with that. I was like, I didn't think you were going to get through that one, you know. Great, you made it. That's awesome. But are you fully engaged in that stuff? How's your attitude towards the stuff that you're not good at? Because that's what you need to know. 
Because there's something in that for you is are you fully engaged and are you doing, are you giving your best energy and effort right now? Because if you do, it's going to lead to better opportunities and new opportunities down the road. So just a couple of things I want to say in closing, okay? Um, three questions I want to ask you. And the first question is this. Are you preparing for the next opportunity or just waiting for it? Are you preparing for the next opportunity or are you just waiting for it? And, you know, for me, there, I mean, if I thought about this one, the classes at Baylor, the private school, I, I'm not kidding you, the class that I failed, it was about $1,200. Okay? Hello. And, and that's crazy, you know? And, and totally taking that for granted. And, and, and so, and it, I, I wish I could go back and be like, okay, not only could I save that money, but also I don't have to take that, that class again. And so that's messing with my schedule the next semester. And are you preparing for the next opportunity or just waiting for it? And it'd be so easy for me to go, but ministry, I just want to do ministry and this really doesn't relate to me. It's like, no, no, you need to be preparing right now for your next opportunity. And uh, I... Um, totally uh, met a friend of mine in seminary, and uh, he was at uh, Bowling Green University in his undergrad, and he was um, the president of his campus ministry. And he had one of these classes that he didn't like, and he was not doing well. In fact, he was like D.C. student, okay? D is done, C's get degrees, you know? And he's like, I'm hanging in there. And... Um, uh, he is talking to the professor on his way out of class one day, and he's like, you know, sorry, I, I didn't do too well on the last test. I've been really busy lately. And the professor grabbed him, pulled him aside, and he's like, hey, when you start treating this class the way you lead your campus ministry, you might do pretty well in this class. And I just want to say this. Um, Christians sometimes have a reputation for being lazy, Okay. I think most people, I mean, that, that's kind of unfair. And I think, you know, people who have that uh, view don't know all Christians. But as Christians, we should never be accused of being lazy, okay? And Andy said to me when he got called out by his professor, it totally, I mean, he started engaging, fully engaging, because he knew the professor was watching his life going, okay, you say you follow Christ, but how are you following him? So how about you? Are you preparing for your next opportunity? Next question I have for you is, um, what can you begin doing where you are now to prepare for the next opportunity? What can you begin to do now to prepare for your next opportunity? Like, what should you be reading? Like, if you want to do something and you're trying to become an expert about it, what should you be reading, okay? What class should you take? What elective should you take to prepare you for what you want to do down the road? Who should you be seeking out? Who, what mentor should you be seeking out? Okay? Because your next opportunity is out of your control. You need to hear this. Your next opportunity is out of your control. But what is in your control is whether or not you are preparing for it. That's what's in your control. So are you preparing for your next opportunity? And finally, last convicting question here. Based on what you know about your current performance, would you trust you with more responsibility. Based on how you're doing in school, based on how you work at your job, would you hire yourself? 
If you were the owner of a company, would you be like, man, you are the perfect worker that I want working for my company? I just want you to think about that. Would you hire yourself if you had the opportunity to hire yourself based on what you know? And this is something most of you are like, yeah, I'd hire myself. Of course I would. I need a job, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. No, I'm saying, are you aware enough of how good you are at what you're doing and the effort you're giving and the way that you're working right now? Would you hire yourself? That's really important because you've got to become self-aware and honest with who you are and how you're living. And are you fully engaged and are you working with all your heart? And as we just wrap up here, the band's going to come in just a moment. But if you want to find God's game plan for your life, here's where it begins. One, if you're, if you're wondering about God's will for you professionally, it, it is do your current work as unto me. Do your current work as unto me. And then... Take advantage of your current opportunities while you're waiting on the next one. Leverage everything you got for your current opportunity. And if your current opportunity is no work and just all school, then leverage it. And I'll say this, that means, and I I want you here every Monday night. I think this would be very important for you to be here Monday nights. We love it when you come. We want you to be here every Monday night. Please study hard on other times, not on Monday nights. But there might be... A time where you're like, I can't go to the living room. I've got a test tomorrow, and that test is the most important thing right now. And we're okay with that. Okay? I get that. You don't get, like, a perfect attendance score at the living room, and, like, Jesus is happy with that. He might be more happy with you doing well in your class. Okay? Now, having said that, study on the weekends and come to the living room on Monday nights. All right? And then final thing I'll just say, band's coming. Y'all can come on, band. I got to get off the stage. I'm over time. Here it is. Do your work as unto the Lord, not for men. That is God's will for you now while you pray for and seek his will for later. Are you working for God with all your heart? Because if you begin to work... For God, with all your heart, with everything you got, he will reveal his will for you through the opportunities that he has put before you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have a wonderful plan for every single person in this room. And you knew that every single one of them were going to be here tonight. And God, I thank you that you are faithful in providing incredible opportunities for us. Whether it's education or work or churches here in the city, you have given us so many great and good blessings. And God, I pray for these students that they would become great stewards, great managers great carriers of the opportunity that you have laid before them and that they would work with everything they got for you. And we thank you, God, because you are the best boss that anybody could ever have. You created us, you wired us, and you have wonderful things in store for us, things that we cannot 
imagine today. So God, help us focus on the here and now so that we can discover what you have for us in the future. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.